Hey y'all and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Um, it's episode 59 and with a good friend, one who I've been coming a lot closer with, um, one from Hope Community and I think we initially kind of were connected through my sister, Laura Beth, I want to say, uh, but John Harden, welcome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, and real quick before we get started, um, I think you're the fourth or fifth Hope Community um, member that's come on, but, um, real quick, I don't know if you'll mention this, but, um, you've told me, I think a previous guest, Will Moody has told me, I think he was episode 35. So go check that out. But it was, I think it was his first Sunday. At my tr- first Sunday. It was your first yeah, Sunday. Yeah. And he, instead of saying, hello, I'm this and turn to the next person, he asked, you know, how's your week been? Or, went the next step and kind of engaged and that's kind of what I feel like from what you said brought you to hope and really um got you engaged and now you're kind of the little community person connecting everybody at <laughs> I appreciate that. That's yeah. kind of words. So yeah, it's cool to see like Will's little brother Ben is mm-hmm. gonna be in my wedding. I was part of his wedding. And so it's cool to see how, you know, one question opens up to a whole world of possibility you don't really know about. Yeah. And vulnerability. Like today at church met a guy in front of me, him and his daughter. And, you know, I just shared a little bit of my story and why I was at hope. And then he was vulnerable and shared a little bit of his story. So you never know, um, what one question or, you know, a little bit of vulnerability can, um, do for another person, but you have a powerful story. Um, and I mean, you shouldn't be sitting here like I shouldn't, but God's grace and he's got a plan for both our lives and that he does. Yes. And, um, so yeah, I like having guests on because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got struggles. You know, they're all different, but um, you're not alone in your struggle. But a lot of times we think we're alone and um, listeners can relate to someone's story and pull pieces out of that person's story and relate it to their story or the full story they can relate to. So just a wide kind of range of stories and testimonies from people. Um, But love, you know, love getting to know you and John G's. Oh, yeah. took me down there. That was a fun Saturday. I've been telling everybody about that spot. <laughs> That's my biggest contribution to your life, Chad, introducing you to old John over at John G's. So <laughs> it's a, it's a we should get them to come on as an advertiser for this now. We should. So I'm just trying to drive revenue for you, you know. Because <laughs> we're not making any money right now. They but should give us some free kolaches at least. <laughs> I would be, if, if that's all I got paid, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I went to Texas a couple weeks ago and had a kolache there and just, it was like a fifth as good as the John G's one. So that's, I had some brisket in uh, Austin, Texas last weekend and it, there was no comparison to John G's. Yeah. Yeah. John it, G's barbecue. So shameless plug here. <laughs> yeah. Where it's, it's what, 20 minutes past Winget? Yeah. In Peachland, 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 North Carolina. Yeah. So if you're listening, John G's Saturdays, 11 a.m. until they run out, but get there about 9 a.m. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, I think, our first ad that I've, you know, done some advertising <laughs> for. It's organic. It's right there. Yeah. yeah very so. organic. Um, but yeah, I just want to kick it over to you and because uh, you have a powerful story and want uh, our listeners to hear it and just how, you know, you've overcome a lot and it's a blessing to just be sitting here. Uh, next to you, knowing your story and just what God's done in your life. Um, so I'll just turn it over to you and then we'll just have a conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it, Chad. Um, guys, I'll try to zoom back a little bit to where this began. Um, obviously my story began a lot before 2019, but this story we'll talk about this evening begins in 2019. Um, I'd been in Charlotte for, I moved to Charlotte in fall of 2018. And then this happened in the spring of 2019. So not really that long after I'd moved. 
Charlotte. And that yeah. was when I was in just my year long rehab. Yeah. So we yeah, were both we, going through. We were laid up in hotel bed, or excuse me, in uh, hospital, hospital beds together, yeah. you know, just I was in different places. Ward, but, you know, I was, I was a few units <laughs> I was down CMC from Maine, you know, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, it was April, um, April 23rd um, in 2019. And I had gone on a run. I lived in South End um, in one of those apartment complex everybody lives in right when they moved to Charlotte. I was so. there for five, six years bouncing around yeah so. yeah yeah just so expensive but you're right in the middle of everything so it's fun or whatnot so um i the ymca was probably like a mile and a half from my apartment so i would run up there work out for a little bit run back home so i'd run up to the ymca and i worked out there for the evening and i was coming back home and i had earbuds in and um i i was in the best shape of my life really like i was peak shape it was awesome like you're I in good just, shape now so thank you yeah appreciate <laughs> it says it. a lot <laughs> um but i just remember being like in, i was in a really good shape right then i've been working out a lot in that spring and kind of that winter and whatnot and i just was really loving that part of my life just mm-hmm. like getting out and being active um and so i ran up to the crosswalk that's right in front of the dowd ymca um you cross south boulevard it's kind of like four lanes and people were kind of moving pretty quick and i had to hear buds in kind of just jamming to music or whatnot and, and stopped and I'd run up to the, the light and kind of stopped and waited and it turned and I got the crosswalk guy and just jetted on my way across two lanes. And then um, the next two lanes I jetted across. My last kind of memory is um, I was like kind of sideways or a little like a um, little diagonal or whatnot. And then I don't remember anything. And I was just out. Um, and um, I woke up like 45 minutes later in this the operating room of CMC main essentially, or the holding room or whatnot. But to tell you what happened when I was in there or before that happened, I guess um, a car had run a red light going 55 miles an hour mm. and struck my body. Um, it was a little, uh, I think Hyundai Elantra or something like that, which by the grace of God, if that thing was any bigger, I would have been, we would not be having this conversation right now. Like it was a little teeny car. The guy, you know, it was like seven 30 or something. The guy was drinking and driving and he hit me and I lodged in his windshield and was stuck in his windshield for like a hundred feet. So he was stuck in his windshield um, for a hundred feet and he goes and like stops eventually and gets out of the car and runs away. Um, and they never found driver of the car. Um, I'll kind of talk a little bit about that. He was not the owner of the car. I'll talk about okay. that in a little bit, but um, never found the driver. And I was lodged in the windshield. And when we stopped, I rolled off and laid on the concrete. And if you looked at my arms, my whole right side of my body is all like glass shard cut up it's like scraped and stuff like that and the right side of my body looks like like road burned and so um i tell kids that would like see my scars they'd be like what happened i'd be like i was in australia and got eaten by like a shark and a bear in the same day you always gotta have a good yeah. story when you're like- sick you believe that you think that's really cool so uh-huh. <laughs> um but i was like really messed up really really messed up um, I mean, I 55 a, miles an hour, that's... Yeah, it was crazy. Like, you no shouldn't one, be here. People die getting hit by like 25 miles an hour. And yeah. um, for me to walk, not walk away, for me to walk away a couple months later was great. Um, but I uh, had a traumatic brain injury as well from my head hitting the windshield. Um, and so I've got some, some scars on my face and whatnot. But um, yeah, so let's flash back to the CMC main, wake yeah. up there. And I just am like, what is going on? Like like you feel like you wake up and you're like in the afterlife like you're like there's like bright lights you're on the table you know what i mean it's like you don't it's know where really, you're yep. it's truly like you have no idea of like what is going on and you then, probably have anesthesia and you're loopy and a hundred percent you remember is running yes um so i like am in the hospital and i like i like 
kind of come to and talk in the nurse. She's like, you hit by a car, yada, yada, you're, you're alive. And then she's like, your legs are in bad shape. And I just had gashes. I, they'd like, basically I, they'd taken me there and they cleaned out all my wounds and they'd stone me up really quickly. And this is pre sewn up. Mm-hmm. And then they unsewed me up, cleaned out deeply and then re sewed me up. And so this is like the whole right side of my body, like unlimited stitches in my arm and my leg. Um, some a bunch of broken bones. I basically dislocated my collarbone, like an injury that a lot of hockey players have, where they all the muscles tear away from your bone as opposed to your collarbone breaking. And so I actually just had a surgery in December to um, heal that. And I like I shoulder pressed something the other day that I was like, wow, I'm like kind of back, which is great. And so I like truly like hopefully my last surgery ever was in December from this accident. And then, you know, four years later, but yeah, kind of crazy. Praise so, God. Um, yeah. So I'm on the operating table or I guess on the waiting room table and I'm looking down at my legs and I can see, you know, six inches into my leg and just like see my tissue. And mm. it is just, it is gross, but luckily I'm like kind of like loopy. And so yeah. it doesn't really get to me like the pain or the blood or whatever. And so the nurse gives me my cell phone and I call a couple of people. So I like call, um, I call my roommate at the time and I call like a friend and I call my boss. And you're I, not from Charlotte. I'm not from Charlotte. So you yeah. don't have family here. No, no family here. All family lives in Alabama. Um, and, and call my, I remember like, I really, I don't have very fuzzy memories from that mm-hmm. evening, but one memory is like, okay, I'm going to call my boss. I'm going to like get myself together to call him and like mentally pull it together. And then he told me I left him like, like a, like, Oh my gosh, what, here's what happened. Yada, yada. And like made no <laughs> sense or whatever. And in my mind, I was like, locked and loaded to have like, that conversation like for a presentation you know? yes <laughs> um so um pretty yeah it was really scary and then they're like we got to take you back and so before that the nurse called my mom and so um my mom is someone who like loves me so deeply and, and she is like you know a, she worries a little bit but like an appropriate mom level you know um as most moms do and she apparently got the call and just like drove from birmingham to charlotte which you know at five o'clock in the afternoon takes like seven hours but from you know at nine o'clock in the night into four o'clock in the morning whatever it was took like six didn't or stop something at all no, dad said that she <laughs> grabbed the steering wheel 10 and 2 and just pedaled to the metal you know my son i gotta get to him yeah. in, in charlotte and so i woke up the next morning and my parents were in, in the in the recovery and you room were probably confused as to why they were there yeah so i still I, kind of putting pieces together from the night before and... totally totally and so i was in the hospital for about a week um i really don't have that many memories from being in the hospital mm-hmm. um I remember like some friends coming to see me. Um, I remember some like, like one of my friends, Matt McMillan brought me like a Chick-fil-A milkshake in a book. And I remember that. And then I remember other friends, but it was like a constant feed of friends. Yep. And it, looking back, it was pretty encouraging because I'd been in Charlotte for like eight months and I had like 30 people that came to see me in the hospital, which is really that amazing. And volumes so, on you know, was, who you are as a person. It was just more like the community the Lord's given me in a short amount of time was something I was really fortunate for. Um, and my parents like met these people that like, like they're like had connections, the people that run, that run the atrium system. And so they got put up in like this great, like, um, care ward or whatnot. And it was just cool to see like the Lord's hand at work in it, in it all. And so I remember being dressed in like very short gym shorts, walking up and down the aisles of C or the halls of CMC Maine with a walker and like my dad there with me, I'd be like, Hey dad, let's get up and walk. And so my like right leg is swollen to honestly double like what it was like it looks like you just slid a bowling ball like into my where my kneecap was and that's what it looked like and i just remember like on the walker i don't remember one meal i had the whole time other than my chick-fil-a milkshake (laughs) i don't remember anything super specific but i just remember being on the walker um i gotta move and just like i gotta i gotta get up and move and i there's like one uh i guess it wouldn't be football season 
wouldn't be basketball season. April's kind of a dead sports season. April, um, I watched some sporting event, or maybe it was golf, American. It was, golf. it was American Idol. Maybe it was something really random. Sometimes I American remember, Idol bring tears to the eyes uh, <laughs> when you're when you're a little high on pain meds too. It, <laughs> it does a little bit for sure. And so, um, yeah. So I don't remember the hospital very much. Mm-hmm. And so my parents had to obviously like leave. I remember my dad sitting in the chair next to me, like working laptop. You know, like that was um, pre work from home, like normalized days. Yeah. You know, and so. <laughs> He's like having to go get special permission from his boss, but obviously his boss understands. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, but remote work did work in 2019 too. My dad, you know, found that out and, and showed that. So, um, but yeah, so I go back to my apartment after about a week in hospital and I'm by myself. My parents go back to Alabama mm-hmm. and um, I was off work for about a month or two months or somewhere in there. And that is a really, really hazy time for me. I was on pain meds that were pretty hard. I couldn't yeah. drive. Um, and I had nothing to do every single day. And, and so your mobility is pretty limited. I would assume super, super limited. Like I have like my whole right leg is just straight and I can't really do much. Can't put any pressure on it or whatnot. So I'm walking around with crutches. So I'm like having to like my friends are having to bring food over for me and stuff like that. And I like, I remember reading some books that like, I know the title of the book, but mm. I cannot tell you about one thing <laughs> in the book. Like it just, everything that came in they- my brain vaporized and mm-hmm. left my brain during that time. And that really went on for about a month. And so at this point I worked for the accounting firm, Ernst and Young. And so, um, I was like going to go back to work and I, I went back to work probably, probably like a two weeks too early. I was just like, I'm trying to get back. Like I was newer in my career. I was like, mm-hmm. trying to prove. And that was dumb. I should have, I should have waited. We've all done um, stuff like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. And so, um, I would say overall healing though went pretty well. Like I remember working out of my, apartment gym and be like okay i'm like getting a little strength back and whatnot i was careful and um I, like healed up pretty well all things considered i had no long-term neck injuries or back injuries which is what really helped me out a whole ton yeah. like the right side of my body was destroyed and the left side was really skint up but i had no like lasting like n- like neurosurgical or you know whatever mm, yeah. like none of that which is really helpful because that's how people have like long-term health yep uh, having neck issues and I had none of that somehow. That's amazing. Um, if I'd have seen the car, I think the story would have probably been different. I probably would have died just because my body had been so tensed, tensed up. up. Yep. But I was so loose. Like it just like hit me. You were in the you moment know, running. I was, jamming I was out. done. Yeah. So um, it was interesting too. At the zoom back there a second. There was two people at the crosswalk, actually. One of which um, is a girl named Helen Moffitt. She swam at UNC. Um, she was really kind. She called the police and I'd worked with her a little bit of stuff about insurance kind of afterwards, but she was great. And then, there was apparently this guy who was like, uh, I don't really, I don't remember anything about him, obviously, but he was, um, he was homeless and he like held up my head and like, like, like secured my, me and like blocked cars and stuff like that. So the cops got there until wow. the ambulance got there. And it was also really fascinating because I was like all over the news and they would be like, we'll keep you updated on the situation. And I was like, keep me updated on the situation too, <laughs> because no one's found this guy and like, what in the world's going on? And like, I just remember being like, what, like. Keep me updated too. And so <laughs> not the world, and, me. And like, I mean, a whole lane of South Boulevard shut down for like two hours. And I had tons of friends that actually passed and was like, saw me laying on the ground. And like, we're like, holy cow, that's JH. Yeah. And so they're like freaking out too, you know? And so um those friends all came and saw me later in the hospital, which is nice and good for them to see me alive. Well, yeah. But at that point, when I'm laying on the ground and like my in critical and like to say something graphic, my blood is stained all the the like the sidewalk by South Boulevard. Like they thought I was dead for sure, you know? Yeah. And, and they were like really glad to see me alive. So that happened with two or three, um, which is kind of bizarre. So yeah, that's another God thing. 
Totally. And his hand was just in this, just from oh the gosh. little bit you've shared yeah. so far. Yeah, absolutely. And there's even, there's even more ways. So, um, but like I said, I feel like I healed pretty well overall. Um, and so I went back to work, um, lived a pretty normal life after that. Um, and um, October rolls around and like the wheels fall off, like my mental wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the nature of my work is very season, like cyclical and seasonal. And yep. so when you're an accountant, you start to kind of ramp up in the, you know, Q4 timeframe in September or in the October, November, December. And at 40 hours a week, my brain was pretty good, but flip up to 60 hours a week. I like snapped, like mentally, mm-hmm. truly snapped. And I had all these traumatic brain injury symptoms, like six months in arrears. So all the things that I experienced for people that have TBIs, I didn't experience them right after I had some like, you know, like memory loss and things like that. But like it was like six months right after that. And all of these, like these symptoms of having a traumatic brain injury were like kicked into overdrive when I started working more than 40 hours. And so my brain just like shut down. And so Chad, I like fell off the wagon. Like Like were you having headaches as well? Or was it more just mental? I was having headaches, but I just like, you know, there was complex parts about my job. I couldn't get my brain around it all. I was dropping the ball on everything at work. I Whereas couldn't do assignments. Before. No, yeah, yeah, definitely not. I couldn't do any assignments. I couldn't um, like bring anything to completion. Like I just, my boss is like, "What? What is going on?" And he's like having to like redo all the things, and like he's really gracious. And Robbie Linklater is his name. He was fantastic. But I, I never experienced that before, so I could not label it. So I didn't really yeah. know what was going on. And so I'm experiencing this like anxiety and this depression and like these suicidal thoughts that mm-hmm. I've never ever experienced my life before so i'm like scary i'm laying in bed of like like this like if this is how my life is going to be i don't want to live this life like Mm -hmm. that's the way i felt of like like truly i can remember like a tuesday night of work like i just dropped the ball i'm like i couldn't move i mean my body was kind of recovering but i was still like hurting and whatnot i was like if this is how my brain's gonna be i am gonna hate the rest of my life like i can't do this so what i always think about like i try to think in terms of like um pictures analogies and whatnot but like if you like looked at, you know, I can spread my arms as wide as I can. I feel mm-hmm. like this is my bandwidth before the accident. Mm-hmm. Like it was down to like, you know, a foot or six inches. And so it was re- decreased by like 80%. Yeah. So my, the ability for me to process and like go about my life was just so lacking and compared that, to what it was. I'm sure the doctors had told you this might happen. Absolutely. Or, yeah. And so what is going on now? Like, are you saying I need to, get in touch with my doctor and see if this is part of the accident or yeah, it goes what's on, going on there. Yeah. It goes on for about a month and I just don't understand it. Like yeah. I've never experienced it before. Something new. And it's I was scary. just like, Oh my, like what is happening? And like, I just remember my bandwidth being so little, like I could not process or think through anything. Um, and like truly felt like Chad, I was like laying on the foundation of my life. Like, yep. like I was like, like hit rock bottom, like laying on the foundation. Um, and so I do go to the doctor, I like start to kind of like understand what's going on. And so, um, I end up going part-time at work and okay. I start to go see a brain psychiatrist and like, I get all these tests run and do all this stuff. And they're like, well, you messed up. And I'm like, I know. Thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Thank I you for reminding that me out, like two weeks ago when I was, you know, <laughs> laying in bed, like thinking, having suicidal thoughts. Yeah. I realized something was and those off. are for someone who's never had that. Those are scary. I mean, really scary. Cause I've dealt with that for a while. And then, you know, I never knew you had dealt with that. So thank you for your vulnerability. But if no one's ever dealt with that before, it's hard to explain to someone what that's like. Yeah. And I've had people in my life that have had that before. And I just never personally could like 
empathize the whole world because I'm like, well, my life is great. Why would I want to do that to myself? And here I am like, this is the worst thing in the world. Like, I'm never going to be myself again. Correct. Like, and that is not this a life that is not JH is not worth living. Mm -hmm. And like that's I look back now and I'm like, that was so prideful and arrogant. You know what I mean? But in that moment, I just didn't. That's all you saw. And kind of when you get to that point, you don't see anything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I end up going part time at work, which is amazing. So in, in the line of profession that I was in, you have a really this busy season, basically from January through April. And I went, I capped my hours at 20 hours. A week. My team was working like, you know, 60, 80, whatever it was. And I was capped at 20 and that helped me out a whole time. And so um, I also started going to counseling at the Barnabas Center. So, That's an amazing um, center. A great plug for anybody. Like counseling is fantastic. It was really helpful for me. And what I loved about counseling so much is my counselor, like her profession and her like responsibility is to understand my whole life, how it's connected mm -hmm. from end to end. And like my friends understand deeply and intimately parts of my life, but they don't understand how the whole thing is connected. They're not asked. My friend's job is not to ask every single question to understand every single part of my life. Correct. You know what I mean? Um, and so I felt like she was able to piece together my life so well, whereas like friends like JD or Ford or whatever, like knew so deeply parts of my life. Um, Noelle knew, could kind of figure out everything because we'd spend like hours and hours and hours of her just talking mm -hmm. about it. So it was fun to be like, okay, well, I know people know a lot about this side, but I've never made that connection between this and that. So right. And yeah. so um, that was really cool. I, I have a massive plug for counseling. And so um, counseling is really, Chad, when I started to have like, I learned a lot about myself. Like yeah. I learned so much about myself. Um, I think one of the things that I learned was self-grace. I've always mm. been like a, like a driver, yep. um, like an achiever. Like I want to compete against myself all the time. And like I learned the concepts of self-grace, textualization. Like yep. I, every single time I'd go on a run, I would compare myself against my best ever run. Be like, why did I, why was it not as good as that? Or every single time I do a work assignment, I compare myself to the best work assignment I've done. Mm -hmm. And that's like an exhausting life. So we're, we're our own hardest critics yeah. most of the time. Yeah. We are. And it's scary. Like, in, for instance, I got back into the gym Thursday after almost two years. Yeah. And the old me was like, why am I so fat? Why am I slow? Yeah. And I walked in and I was like, this is day one. Yep. It's a journey. Yep. I'm not going to be cleaning, deadlifting, running the mile at these times, this weight like I used to. I can get back there, yeah. but I got to start somewhere. And it's just about feeling good and ha living healthy Absolutely. now. And so over my story and over these last two years where I've been kind of working on myself, I've had to reshift and rethink about my output. But, you know, yeah, I want to drive myself, but it's a new day. And like you said, I just got it one day at a time and I'm not going to be like I used to be necessarily. I can get there, but. Yeah, absolutely. And two, also understanding how to contextualize your life. Mm -hmm. Like, OK, there's a reason this run wasn't the best. And it's because it wasn't great weather outside. Like I had not eaten really well the day before. Like, you know, what I mean, like my muscles were like, yeah, not to give excuses, but to contextualize and be like, I need to understand, like why it's not as good as it was. And like, there are tangible reasons, you know what yep. I mean? And that's helped me out in every part of my life, that self grace and kind of contextualization. And it's really helped me for like understanding and loving other people better too. It's like, okay, there are things going on in their life past just the surface level things that I see, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like, you know, we get, you might get, have a tendency to get frustrated or you want to like, be like, I don't understand. And there's just things going on in people's life that like cause them to like act the way they do. And it's made me just a lot more like loving and graceful because I like learned to contextual.
Yeah, so 100%. that self grace, that contextualization is really important, and the, really the, the like the stopping of comparing myself to the best version of myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that was an exhausting rat race, and I felt like I was able to get off. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, during this, which is really cool, um, and I just became a lot more comfortable with my shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Like shortcomings are okay. Like I'm recovering from a massive accident. Like I'm not going to be the things I want to be Correct. right now. And like also too, after I'm recovered, I'm. I've got to be okay with the ways in which I'm not where I want to be on different aspects of my life. And so it just made me, I feel like I like had this, like, it is well with your soul. It is well mm-hmm. with my soul kind of like him, like sprinkled over my life. Like it's a beautiful, it hymn. is, it is just a lot like things are just going to be okay. You know? And like, that was like a really cool um, experience for me. And I spent a lot of time with the Barnabas Center counseling staff um, and really felt like I got out of a lot of this mental, like kind of anxiety, you know, depression, suicide, things like that, and walked into more of like, I really know myself a lot better than I mm-hmm. ever did pre-accident. Now, would I want the accident happen? No, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So but it, there was um, a lot of good that came from it. There was as well. a lot of good, that but came you could have also, woe is me. This happened to me. And the good might not have come if your attitude had been different, yeah. but you know, you're looking at the glass half full rather than half empty, yeah. which is tough for a lot of people to do. Yeah. And I struggled with that for a long time. Yeah. And I think that's probably more my personality is a little bit easier for me. Right. Like it's my natural disposition. I probably have some chemical compounds that make that easier, you know, um, but definitely a lot of like grace from the Lord on that front too. And then another thing I learned, I would say that one of the last things I learned too was um, I learned I guess the other thing I learned was how much people in Charlotte cared about me, loved me. I felt that a lot, but mm-hmm. also too, like um, what grace looked like for this person who hit me. Um, this person, so the owner of the car was not the driver of the car and the owner of the car lived in the government housing behind hope. Actually. Um, and yep. so, I mean, I would pass hope every single time. Every, when I would leave hope every That's single Sunday memory. and think about that and be like, do I can talk to them? Like, do I stand in front of the door and be like, I'm alive. You know what I mean? Like, what does that look like? And you know, do I press charges? And like, what does that look like? And the city actually really botched the case. The city is supposed to pick it up essentially and like go with it. Like, but basically what the lady on the phone at the courthouse told me, she's like, if you would have died, the city would pick it up. But since you alive, since you lived, they're not going to do anything about it. And so it shows you our justice um, system. It, and I think the problem with Charlotte is just, it's just overrun. Like hundred percent, just like, there's no bandwidth to pursue that kind of stuff. And like, I just, it freaks me out because like this guy who ran a red light going 55 miles an hour on 40 drunk at seven o'clock on a Monday is out driving on roads where my friends live and like where my friends walk. And so I'll see my friends like running around Charlotte, like at night with like out lights. And I'm like, Hey idiot, put on a light. You know what I mean? Like I've yeah. like bought lights for my friends and stuff like that. I'm like, look, like I'm not some like annoying safety mom or something, but like, but, please just do it. Like and lights would not have saved me from this person, but lights save a, a lot, lot of people from a lot of idiots because it just, you know, you trust yourself. Like I trust myself of running across the intersection, but you got to worry about others. This the other person that you don't know about. And so, you know, I really thought a lot about justice because I didn't want this person on the roads with my friends running around the exact same area where yeah. I, where I lived. And that really freaked me out for a long time. And so, you know, there's a statute of limitations that lasts for three years and it, 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 it's it, over now. it was over in 2022. And I mm-hmm. remember, you know, April, 21st I, I talked some large about some ideas and like yeah i just wasn't gonna like spend all this personal money to pursue justice for someone who lived in government housing and like you know couldn't like there was gonna be i was gonna just foot the legal bill for justice and i was not gonna i wasn't gonna be able to do and that that's costly yeah and it was definitely costly but um i've thought a lot about that person and you know one of the things i really thought about is like okay 
there's a good chance that this person did not grow up with like you know strong parental figures or like i think about the people in dothan who where i grew up in alabama taught me about my life and like what a life of consequences looked like like mm-hmm. i think about my dad is like he like hey when you do things there are repercussions and like taught me that so deeply and there's so many of my dad's friends that taught me of like when you know when you run you know our like four-wheeler into our garage door or whatever you know what i mean like you're gonna pay for that like whatever that is like correct there's just people in my life who have taught me what a life of consequences looked like and you know that's just a good chance that this guy did not have that same thing correct. And so um the way the north carolina law is structured and whatnot like the owner of the driver would have to like, be subpoenaed and then be responsible and just the city never picked up my case i'm kind of like on hard drugs for like two months and like don't really know what to do and yeah i get back to work and start living a normal life again and there's there was never a chance that i was like okay i'm gonna go out and prosecute but i think that i've really learned a lot of forgiveness for that person because i like can contextualize it be like mm-hmm. man there's a good chance that they didn't have a person who taught them what you know what a life of cons like when right. growing up and so i found myself like in a really graceful posture towards them like i'm still frustrated and because of my friends like i think about that person a lot but in terms of like, am I mad or upset with them? I don't have that in my heart. Yeah. Just like, it's kind of like it is well with my soul. You know what I mean? I'm alive. I'm here. You and I are sitting here recording this podcast. Yeah. Talking about cool. just your journey. Yeah. So, how long did that take, would you say, until you were completely able to forgive this person? I mean, you're frustrated, obviously, you said, but forgiveness and the grace. Yeah. How long did, would you say that? Um, I would say about two years, probably. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I even talked to like lawyers, like, at the two and a half year mark and whatever and just never really picked up traction but i really like you know i wouldn't necessarily i was like wake up in the morning shake my fist at this person or whatnot but like i would be like there was more anger in my heart than there yeah. was grace um it's, yeah and it, i think it's pretty naturally so you know I mean, um but i just like <laughs> it was really triggered by the thought of this person out there like getting other people's cars endangering others thing, endangering others you know yeah. what i mean like that's someone who should not be out on the road you know if i yeah I just, the story could end a lot. It, yeah, it could. So, and no. thankfully it didn't. Yeah. My God's grace. Yeah. And like you said, we're here having a conversation. Yeah. So kind of flashback. So I um, started healing up pretty well. And in, in I started training actually for a half marathon on January of 2020. So eight months after the accident, my legs wow. have healed pretty well. And Ben Moody and I are out there, um, you know, cranking a couple mornings a week to print train <laughs> for this. And we did the corporate cup that was actually this weekend in Charlotte and it was cool. Ben ran it this weekend. I was able to be there at the finish line and just had a lot of thoughts back to what that was like two years ago. It's a I huge guess, milestone. I, for, sorry, not two years ago. Um, that was like the weekend before COVID started. So that was ago, in 20, yeah. 20, yeah, 20. And so after I ran that race, like I just was like, so thank my life. Um, we, Ben and I like really trained hard and it showed in our time. And um, I just was like, the Lord just like, he's, he's restored me. Like, I just felt like my soul and my body were restored. And it felt like a really big, like, like closing kind of chapter on some, like, deep, dark things that I've been yeah. experiencing for the last, like, five months before that. Um, and I just remember being, like, I was, like, laying on the floor of my life. And what I found on the floor of my life, Chad, I, like, can, like, visualize myself, like, picking myself up off and be, like, wow, this foundation is, like, really strong. And, like, I was so encouraged by that, of like, this foundation of my life is stronger than I ever realized. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like a foundation made of sand. I was laying on like a, a solid marble slab. And I was just like, Lord, I'm so thank that. Um, and then all the things you taught me as well. And so I run this race and I'm like, God, the way that I can worship you so well is to move my body, 
is to use the body that you've given me mm -hmm. um, and to use the restored body that gifted to me. So honestly, every day since that like half marathon, I go out the door to go on a run or go to the gym to lift or, you know, play Frisbee or literally do whatever it is. And I'm like, it's a worshipful experience. And I don't, I don't say that lightly do, yeah. because I'm blessed to be able to do that. And like the way in which I can honor the Lord is like give and, you know, fully experience the, like fully experience the life that he's given me through X. And so, um, that's just been a really cool thing that I felt for the last, like, you know, four years coming up, um, of just like, or I guess really since the half marathon, so three years coming up, yeah. um, of just like uh, this worshipful experience. Like even today, it was like the prettiest day of the year so far. And I like walked yes. around a whole ton and I was like still thankful for the Lord's safety over my life and his ability to let me get out and walk and run, you know, do ab workouts or whatever. It was. Yeah. So that's just really cool. Um, and so worships are, workouts are really like a worshipful experience. Um, and, and so how is that real quick? How, so, I mean, that's a very traumatic thing. You're running, to get hit. How is it going back on your first run and getting back into running? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'd be scared, you know, looking over my shoulder, just, you yeah. know, how was that process of getting back? Cause you half marathon was eight months after yeah. the accident you said, yeah. I mean, training you're back out on the road running and stuff. How was that? Yeah. Um, it was, I would say that I'm a lot more looking over my shoulder and I've avoided a couple more things because people just don't look out for runners like you think they would. Um, I'm a lot more careful about that. It, the PTSD has really not been like running related. It's really car related. So if I sick, I like to have a distinct memory of it was like July of 2019. Um, like a couple months after the accident, I'm finally driving. Everybody kind of slams on brakes and I like slam on brakes. I actually swerved like off the road onto the grass. I'm so freaked out. And like, I just remember being like, like hyperventilating a little yeah. bit and now what i've realized is like my ptsd trigger is like really quick brake lights mm. like i'm fast to slam my brakes like i look like a bad driver probably but like i just have like a little bit and like i've had some experiences where i felt like maybe gonna be hit by a car or whatnot and yeah. that's been like really like in those moments i've like flashbacked yep. um but it's really not been too much running related it's more just been so but getting back running was i was a little skittish for sure i spent more time on the light rail itself after that you know it's like it's like this is pretty safe and like you know i you never expect to get hit on the one time you have to cross south boulevard from going on and off Correct. the light rail but i spent a lot of time running on running trails that's a good but, to get your feet wet yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so um but as you mentioned earlier i feel like i really saw the hand of god kind of everywhere like at this point i worked a job that i didn't really like a whole ton i was never a great auditor it was not i had a cpa and i just it just didn't fit me very well and but I worked for this big company that had a great, you know, like leave policy. Like I could take short-term leave and still be paid. I could go part-time. Like if I'd worked for a smaller company, it would not have had that same yeah. safety. So the Lord just like gave me this safety. And I, I see the ways in which um, he has brought me closer to him in so many ways. And like the ways in which like just relationships are formed. Like he just interwove himself through this whole accident and kind of recovery process in ways that, he worked in like we always talk about the Lord works in mysterious ways. Like, yeah, he does. It was <laughs> truly mysterious. It was kind of annoying. Like I wish that did not happen. You know what I mean? But um, I'm not like going to be sit here and be like angry or upset or frustrated about that. But um, if I look back on it, Chad, it was really a story of God's hand, God's healing and God's protection. In my mm -hmm. life. Um, and, you know, I just have learned so much. Um, about my life since those moments like i felt like it helped take my maturity like i took a couple year jump forward i just like learned so much like the things that i learned were just putting like a turbocharge in that in that counseling kind of after finding like the, finding the rock bottom building up which yeah. is like a really wonderful experience for me in the sense that i learned so much 
about my life, who God is and who he says he is and how those things are aligned. And so, um, yeah, I, it's a story of God's protection, which is really cool. And I feel like I see it play out like a lot of the things that I'm able to talk to my friends about, and you know, when we work through, work through things they're going through, it's like, you know, self-grace is a big part of that overall. Huge and like, like learning, like how to look at your friends in the eyes and say like, Hey man, like you need to contextualize your life. Like what do it look like to contextualize your life? Like, let's think about why you're upset about, the thing. Mm-hmm. you know, you're upset about like, well, all these other things aren't going super well. Like, why did you expect that out? Correct. And so I just like, honestly, if, like found myself like falling back more and more on some of the things that I learned during that time. And, you know, one, I'm really encouraged that your openness and vulnerability to share times that you wait on hospital beds, you know what I mean? And it hasn't been cars that have been hitting, you know what I mean? Like I hit once, but yeah, nothing yeah, like, yeah, I guess you did. And mine hits. was drug induced. We and... got that. And we got that <laughs> comment. So, um, but that like, was my fault, not the drivers. Yeah. 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 Um, we, I mean, we have that in common, but also like, just to like talk about how the Lord's stories and like, you know, how he is, deeming is just really cool mm-hmm. and i just was like i was really thinking one day i was on a walk actually and i was like i want to go on jad's podcast and talk because i asked about you it. what a while i was like if you yeah. ever want to come on yeah. i always throw an invitation out and i know i don't i'm not going to ever force someone but yeah. everyone's got a story but that person has to be ready to be vulnerable and share their story totally and so the invitation's always out there and i think i got a text i woke up it was like 6 30 and i was like <laughs> wasn't expecting that yeah it's like my 6 15 a.m walk <laughs> yeah. or something but you know i looked at the guys you had on the podcast and like there's some amazing guests and I, I, it's never fun to follow will booty in any act so you know but i he was 35 and you're yeah, 59 we so there's enough time there. yeah um but i i really felt like i was like man there's some things that like um i would hope that other people can be from and i feel like that's something i've been trying to think about this story overall i was like how can the lord continue to use it you know in other people's lives and i've seen that play out in a lot of ways so um, that's kind of it from, you know, front to back there. And it's easier for me to look back four years ago and be like, wow, it all makes sense now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But walking through it all, it didn't feel like that at all. No. I just was like, I was just like shaking my fist at God a lot of times. Like I've seemed like it's all happy and buttoned up now, but like there are a lot of times I was like, God, you've destroyed this body of mine. Like you yeah. destroyed this mind. You were in mine. the tip top shape. You said, yeah. And just like, like what is going on? You know? And it just, it was, it was really challenging. And it's hard to see what he's doing in the midst oh, of the totally. storm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But as you said, you can look back four years later and be like, thank you, God. Yeah. But in the time you're shaking your fist for, I mean, as everyone knows my story, listeners, uh, you know, I was for myself, I was like, I'm either going to be in prison or dead. Mm-hmm. And that was a reality, but God had other plans. You know, as I've talked, you know, about going to grad school and I actually submit the application this uh, super sick. Wednesday, I think. I think it was the first that I um, had officially submitted everything. Um, so if I get in, it will be the Lord's doing. Because when I <laughs> took a look at my transcripts uh, from college 10 years ago, so yeah. I was a totally different person. And y'all can probably gather from the stories I've talked about. Um, you know, I'll just throw it out. There's a 2.54 GPA. I mean, I've heard of a lot worse and I've heard <laughs> of a lot better you know probably more on the better side but um so if i get in it will literally be a um, god's you know doing um and i feel like he's calling me to uh social work counseling um you know i'm just following what i think his plan for my life is and he'll open and close doors um you know and i had an interview friday well i had one monday as i think i mentioned the rescue mission mm-hmm. um interview went well uh, didn't get the position, but they liked me a lot and recommended me to another position within Charlotte Rescue Mission. That's awesome. 
Um, and you know, the old me would have been like, Nope, not even going to entertain this job. Um, but you know, you go through things and you're like, all right, life is, you know, you got to give up some stuff to get where you want to be. Um, so the position is a weekend tech, um, and no, it's not it tech. It's, um, like a tech. So I'd be handing out medicine, kind of being, um, overseeing the men at the shelter, but it'd be a full-time job with benefits. And I work two days, Saturday morning, 7 a.m. to Monday morning, 7 a.m. So if I were to get into grad school, this would work out. Yeah. If I were to get the position, um, which you don't, I don't think I've ever heard of a job where you can get your 40 hours in two days. Yeah, that's wild. Um, so, you know, because that door closed and I, pr- Lord, if this is not the job, close it, open another one. Yeah. And literally after the interview, I got an email, I think three that afternoon. We loved you, but we want someone with more experience, which I understand. Yeah. I have the life experience. I just don't have the paid experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, as you said, in the midst of the storm, you're shaking your fist. Why? And because um, I mean, I was laying in hospital beds in my bed, you know, wherever. And I was just like, I'm just ready to end my life. Like, I'm a burden on everyone. I'm a burden on myself. If that even makes sense. I don't know. You mm-hmm. know, and um it's hard. Life's hard, but God will bring you out of that storm. You just have to allow him. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of trust. Like, I feel like something I've thought a lot about my life is like, especially post-accident is like open-handed. Like I try to walk open-handed with everything, like unknowing how the Lord will work, but knowing he will work in some way. And like, we often want the Lord to operate in our strict timetable of Q2. You know what I mean? What yeah. And like, yeah. like, all right, God, you think on a quarter, I think on a quarter by quarter basis, you need to, too. You know, exactly. that's just like, he moves outside of, space and time in the continuum or whatever the phrase is you know and so like learning how to walk like palms up is something i think about a lot like mm-hmm. like learning how to walk into life so palms up like all right god i i'm gonna wake myself up what you have for me mm-hmm. um and i don't necessarily know what that is and you know that requires um, some faith that is difficult from time to time because you want to close fist and be like god i know what's best here like, i know what's best for my life like you know of course i do oh yeah i'm running my life you know what i mean and i think that i'm constantly reminded that is like not the way in which the Lord operates. No, nope. and He actually operates the opposite time, just to show you. That oh yeah. I mean, when I was in control of my own life per se, yeah. I faced in prison and then overdosed and died. Yeah. And God was able to smack me hard enough. You know, yeah. He had gently smacked me over the years, but yeah. not enough to get the attention. And thankfully, that was the smack that I adhered to. Yeah. Um. I'm like, all right, I'm done trying myself. You know, there's times where I still am like, Lord. This is what I want, so I need you to do this. But he he doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean he hears all your prayers and what you want, but he knows what's best for you. It's like I think I've said this before, but it's like the little kid going to the parent, "Hey, I want to do this." The parent knows what's best for that kid, but it's hard for that kid to understand why mommy and daddy won't let them do that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. So I got smacked pretty hard too by that windshield. You know, I mean we've been yep. we've been smacked. You know, <laughs> officially smacked. <laughs> yep. Officially smacked. Oh, <laughs> uh, um. And you're uh, getting married soon, which is uh, awesome. I am, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. exciting. So, I, you know, I was thinking a little bit about how um, those things are tied together. You yeah. Know, how, like, the accident. I didn't know my fiance when that all went down. And really, she kind of caught me at the tail end of, like, things good again, you know, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, it's interesting. It's like someone that you're going to share the rest of your life with doesn't know anything about, you know, didn't live firsthand, like, your most traumatic experience. And that's that's been interesting, you know, like she'll, I'm she'll obviously listen to the podcast and this is probably the first time she's told the whole, like the details of the story through the whole way. Um, but it's, I was thinking about how these things are connected and I feel like the just maturity that I walked away from has like been really beneficial to our relationships of like, you know, like 
those concepts of self-grace and contextualization. And I find myself, you know, lovingly saying those things, you know, to, to Katie, um, and, and saying them to myself in turn too, um, and continuing. So, um, engagement and marriage is a wonderful thing because like basically someone holds up a mirror to your life and it's like, here I look at yourself, you know what I mean? Like, cause you live life so close yeah. to that person and so up close to that person. And, um, I find myself being able to really like use some of that advice that I figured out three years ago in these moments. So that's been a really cool thing. And, um, I mean, to put it like, um, frankly, you know, being in that situation, going through that accident recovery has made me a better, will make me a better husband, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, it may be hard to see that direct line, but it, right. it's definitely, definitely. Well, I understand so. what you're saying for sure. I mean, hopefully one day I'll be a husband and, uh, but it, through my circumstances, it's made me a better son, brother. Is you know my sister well, yeah. and you knew our relationship. You yeah. can probably even speak on that if you want. Because yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you were you knew Larbeth when I was probably at the tail. I mean, maybe I don't know. When did you meet Larbeth? I met Larbeth right, really, kind of right when I moved to Charlotte. So it was, um, it was probably in the fall of twenty eighteen. So she's one of my longer standing friends in Charlotte for sure, and you know just would kind of catch up afar like about hey how's chad doing things like that and you know the reports were kind of up and down and whatnot and so um you, you know you know like how it's been difficult on the family and things like that and um it's been cool to see y'all been able to move all kind of back towards one another mm -hmm. so um laura beth lb loves you dearly you know what i mean and i know oh, yeah. you love her too and that's really apparent it's just been cool to you know track your life from afar and then luckily the last like you know two years or so track it a lot more closely yeah which has been up close and spend more time with and then get, you know, cause she didn't want me to be around her friends when I was going through my stuff. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, she doesn't love me, mm -hmm. you know, but she might love me the most because of that. Mm -hmm. Cause she had to, you know, as I've mentioned boundaries, she had to set boundaries for herself. And I didn't understand that. And now two years almost removed from, um, when I woke up in the hospital, I'm able to see that. And we have that relationship yeah. now because I always wanted that relationship, but I thought, she just didn't love me. Yeah. Which was total BS. Yeah. Yeah. She loves you a lot, you know, <laughs> yes. so enough to tell you the hard things. And I think, and that's what yeah. make, yeah. Like that's you, like what real love looks like. A real love looks like being able to look at someone in the eye and say, Hey, here's the hard truth. You know what I mean? I, I think that that's one way, you know, we think about love so differently. Oftentimes of like lovey dovey or whatever that looks like. You know? I think that oftentimes love looks like looking someone in the eye and saying, I love you enough to say the hard thing. Yep. And you know, maybe that's just how I like only receive love sometimes, but, I feel like the ways in which I love other people most say that. Yeah, because, you know, you could save their life. Um, you don't want to have a regret if, like for her, she hadn't said something. Or, and, you know, my story, now I have, there's people I know that are still struggling. If I don't say the hard things and it's too late, like I should have said that. Maybe I could, you know, you can't play the what if games when it happens. But, but when they're still here, saying the hard things is, you know, true love. Yeah, I think, too, to, to kind of caveat, caveat that, though you have to have that relationship with them. You know what I mean? And so that looks like putting in the cycles and saying, Hey, I'm willing to risk that political capital, quote unquote, that we've got built up with one another, say this to you. And I'm willing to risk a dent in our relationship or hurt her mm -hmm. because I love you. So much. And, Correct. um, I've really, you know, I feel like I've learned that pretty last couple of years, but you definitely have to put in the work with that person. And you can't just walk around saying, Hey, I love you. Here's this information. Yeah. You have to have the relationship because, they need to have that respect for you yeah. to at least hear it. Yeah. And a lot of times they're not going to receive it right then, but over time they will. Um, but it, it will definitely put a dent in the relationship as yeah. it did with Larbeth and I, but yeah. 
now that I'm on the other side, I'm able to, you know, say thank you. Yeah. Um, so before we end, you have a lot of advice, you've given a lot of advice. What advice would you give to our listeners, either from your story, someone's given you or something that you've heard, you know, from Aaron or Mark at church, just something that you hold on to tightly? Yeah. Um, I'll go back to kind of one of the things I feel like I learned during counseling. Like the concept of self-grace is just really difficult, like to be easier on yourself. Like there's this, like you can swing too far one way and you can be really, really down on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you can be really high on yourself. And like, um, you have to be easy on yourself. Like if you, like there's, there's definitely times to be like, go, go, go pedal to the metal, you know, work hard, things like that. But like, if you're not like graceful with yourself, you don't love yourself, there's not going to be an outflowing so um i think when you look at yourself and you get this person you don't be or like whatnot all the time like that just like beats down on you so what does it look like to look at yourself and be like that person is like a child of god you know what mm-hmm. i mean like this person is staying in the mirror that i'm looking at that i in this moment hate is it was like a child of god who images god in ways that you know that love the world around um and so um i really that's like something i really really learned. and it's just it's like felt like like truly like i I'm, yeah. I'm serious um it felt like like i was unshackled from like person i feel like i had to be all the time it just freed me up to be who i was I'm like that's a child of god you know what i mean and that yeah. person pushes himself as like challenges himself at times but also at times he's like you know what i don't need to work out this morning I, it's probably better for me you know what i mean or mm-hmm. like you know like oh i don't have to like crush this like i can just like sit back in the pocket fill out so that self-grace has really like kind of shackled me from this like journey of like being you know I, i'm still working hard but i mean you need that um, and balance is within the self-grace as you said is huge um and you know i learned that through my story and um you're younger than me but you're someone i look up to because you know you've known me kind of before i even knew you yeah through larbeck yeah. and you've been able to see my journey and now we're able to have a relationship and it's been awesome um yeah and just to get to know you um just you know, and hear your story and your vulnerabilities uh, means a lot too. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. And there's going to be really impressive people that come on this podcast. There already have been really impressive people <laughs> and I'm glad to be in that number. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a life's honor of mine. So, <laughs> and you know, to be in your first podcast, it's a, it's a kind of fun thing too. Yeah. So, oh, this is your first? The table, first time. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. So, episode 59. Episode so, 59, the rabbit hole show with yeah. Chad Height. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have a tagline yet? Um, No. We got you a sponsor earlier today. Yeah. John G's barbecue. Now we need to get you a tagline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'd be cool if John G's barbecue would cater every, I mean, that would be a lot of, you know, but you, you would have to drive down to Peachland every Saturday. That, to get that might get a little laborious there. Yeah. So. I'm not doing that then, yeah. but, um, yeah. So whatever the Lord wants of this show, you podcast, you know, it'd be cool to make money and, you know, Cause I love sitting down and just having conversations with people, sharing my story, hearing their story and allowing others to, um, you know, hear their stories. Cause I want this to be a community. Um, cause I've had people reach out to me asking questions about certain topics and I'm like, I can give my input, but I'm like, here, let me reach out to this guest who dealt with that and connect them. So it's been cool to see some of that, um, through this podcast, uh, I mean, I don't want fame from it and I don't think I'm going to get it, but <laughs> I just want, you know, people to know that they're not alone and everyone's got a story. Everybody's got struggles, no matter how much money you have, you know, and as we probably all have seen over the last couple of weeks, the Murdoch's, you know, money brings a lot of mm-hmm. troubles and um, it's scary out there. You know, this world we live in is evil, but um, just knowing that you're not alone and just 
having that vulnerability to share your story and your struggles and kind of how you've come through it and the struggles you had and what you did to navigate that so that someone listening might be like, oh, that's a good idea. I've never thought of that. Or, oh, I'm going through that. Um, I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, I think everybody, I mean, I think about all the stories that I've heard in my life and like testimonies and whatnot. There's just always like one little nugget you take away. Yeah. Correct. Um, I think that that is really, really valuable. Like I've learned a lot about the character of Christ, just nuggets in your story, nuggets in the movie story, nuggets in so many stories. I've learned more about who God is. Like, 100%. it's valuable so if you get making this podcast people doing that it's a, it's a high calling for you yeah cool um thank you again jay for coming on yeah absolutely and your vulnerability because i know it's not easy totally and just reliving something that was yeah. very traumatic can be tough it's also healing but tough and then you know sharing with others so thank you yeah absolutely thanks for having yeah. me on man enjoyed it so yeah we'll have to get you back on later <laughs> on <laughs> hopefully i have nothing else that you know i need to come in to talk super deeply talk about. about marriage down the road <laughs> oh gosh yeah i'm gonna get in trouble with katie for that one so no. hey katie i'm no yeah hey katie not making any promises yet i promise no no no, no promise it's just the offer yeah. we'll have y'all both on oh wow that'd be fun too so thanks chad appreciate yeah. it well, thank y'all for tuning in this week uh, to the Rabbit Hole Show, episode 59 with uh, John Harden. Um, and go subscribe, uh, tune in to whatever platform you listen to. And if you want to come on uh, and share your story, uh, feel free, reach out. We'd love to have you on. Uh, emails the Rabbit Hole Show 21 at gmail.com. Shoot me a text uh, or on uh, social media. But, um, yeah, thank y'all for tuning in. Love y'all, and see you next week. And go to John G's Barbecue. Yes. Peachland, South Carolina. Yes, Peachland, John North G's Carolina. Barbecue, South Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina. Peachland, North Carolina. Yeah. That's right. John G's Peachland, North Carolina. That's our first ad. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Thank y'all, and we'll uh, see y'all next week.